What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. There is a podcast that is a world unto itself. A podcast as boundless as space and as timeless as infinity. It is the place between light and shadow. Science Science and superstition. superstition. You've entered the The fifth dimension. dimension. The latest series from the Consequence Podcast Network will open the door into Jordan Peele's new revival of The Twilight Zone, and it will go as far as the limits of the mind itself. Subscribe to The Fifth Dimension. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with. It's an audio interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. Before we get started, if you're not a subscriber to the series, you should be. We put out interviews every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You're obviously a big music fan and you like interviews. So hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening from right now. Whether that's on uh, YouTube or Spotify or wherever you get your favorite podcasts from, like iTunes and Apple Podcasts, you can subscribe at any of those places. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, my guest, Collective Soul, talking with E. Rowland about the band's new record called Blood. 
This is a record that sort of lines up with the 25th anniversary year for the band, so we're going to be doing a lot of jumping back and forth. Now, the album's Call Blood was sort of a nod to the idea of, of family and friends, but there's new blood in the band, and that has a lot to do with how this record sounds. In fact, we hear that it was almost a double album, so we'll talk about that, as well as some of the themes behind songs like Now's the Time and Good Place to Start, which definitely puts a mirror to today's politics and, and how society is going at the moment. There's also some nods to Tom Petty and Wilco on this record. He tells us about that as well, and some of the folks that are featured He's got guests like Peter Stroud from Cheryl Crow's band, Tommy Shaw from Styx, Peter Searcy, who you'll remember from his own solo career, and Squirrelbait. Then we'll turn back those clocks. Woodstock, 94, their first album, Hence Allegations and Things Left Unsaid, and the 20th anniversary of the Dosage record, which featured those singles Heavy and Run, that was in Varsity Blues, and Tremble for My Beloved, that ended up in Twilight soundtrack years later. We hear the story on all of those. It's Kyle Meredith with Collective Soul. Hey, Kyle, Ed Rowland here. I got to give compliments to uh, to the new album, Blood. It's as catchy as ever, man. The fact that you are still cranking out such, like, seriously catchy songs is so impressive uh, at this stage. So congratulations on that. Thank you so much. It's very kind. So this record, as the press release, it, it ties it into the 25th anniversary year. And Collective Soul is one of those bands that sort of has, like, two first-year anniversaries, right? It, it's kind of like that. It's... Uh kind of the band but the actual demo the first record was a demo i made in a basement songwriter demo so that that was kind of 93 so uh, you know it's just numbers man (laughs) (laughs) that's true but it's nice i mean if you want to you can celebrate that you know that that beginning for a whole two years you get you know one year out of two years or something yeah, like that. It's, yeah, it's a it's a major release. It's the 25th anniversary. It's when we did the major release of uh, the Hints recordings. Yeah. I'll tell you that that record meant so much to me. It was uh, it was one of the life changing records of my youth. Uh, that record, I mean, oh, really cool. did so much and, and in the right in the right direction, right? In the right direction. <laughs> well, I mean, here we are, aren't we? So it's <laughs> yeah, there. You go. There you go. We're still doing it. How about that? about that uh we'll, we'll get a little bit of that here in just a little bit but but let's start with the new record with with blood because if it does if this does line up with the anniversary year does this record take stock of the past a, at all and if so how do you do that with still doing something new i, I don't think it takes stock of the the old because like i said hence was a demo i'd made a batch of demos i'd made over a five-year period so really wasn't a band to me it was just we thought we were going to get to re-record and i had some songs and they were like it became a hit before we even had a major label so to to me it kind of started with the blue record the second one the self-titled so we we kind of dropped everything and with the new lineup jesse and johnny added to the band you know they had their personalities they brought into it and we just kind of went something kind of new because they brought in it whole new energy for us and not only they get great players they're great guys and and they kind of you you know you talk about like i had to up my game a little bit because they're they're so good and i think they made me a better songwriter i think they made us a better band so it sounds like it because uh you know it sounds like the sessions went so good as i read this was actually you'd considered this being a double album at one point well we did we recorded 20 22 songs so we at first the idea was to do a double album because i grew up you know and a beatles fan elton john fan so you know you had the white album goodbye yellow Brick road Jeff comes alive the double album's coming up and to me it was like man we've really done it we stayed together this long let's do a double album but then management was like are y'all a bunch of idiots 
you know, people don't buy double albums anymore or double CDs. It's streaming now. So we we released the first one first, and then the other one will come out next year. I mean, and then I, maybe we'll put it on a double vinyl for me, just for my own. <laughs> I would love that. Reason. I mean, that that is a hard trick to pull off. You've talked about Elton John through your entire career, and I, I do have to ask: Are, are you excited about the uh, the movie coming out? I am very excited, very 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 much, because you know that was that that was my musical hero, other than my parents, but. In, in pop culture, that was the first one. I remember putting the needle on on John's greatest hits and me going, I want to do this. I want to write songs. And I, well, I wouldn't mind dressing like that every once in a while either. <laughs> I have no problem with that. I mean, you ended up having him on a record, uh, which, you know, that's that had to be a, a huge yeah. moment for you. Oh, it was, you know, I, it, that was my reward, you know, to have your musical hero come in. Because I can remember having dinner with him. I was like, hey, is there any way you'd want to play on a record with us and he goes only if you let me sing love and i was like okay that's the easiest deal i've ever made <laughs> yes and yes they ended up on the uh, the blender record too so well getting back to, to blood you know we hear now's the time and and it sounds like a call to arms for this era and, and i feel like maybe that's a theme that threads its way around the songs is is that accurate it, it is and you know with our culture today i just feel like man everybody's got to chill out you know Throwing people in the corner is not going to get you anything except a cat coming out scratching at you. And I just think if we can all, and we can all disagree, but we can do it in a civil way. It just feels like every day is somebody yelling at somebody. And it's just like, man, let's back up for a second. <laughs> let's just back it up. And there's other issues to deal with that we, that society will always have to deal with. To me, the opioid crisis right now is just out of control, but nobody wants to deal with that. They're too busy calling each other names when there's innocent people that we could really be helping and taking care of or educating about, you know, this crisis. I feel like that's almost an interesting, uh, you come from an interesting angle geographically because, you know, I, I mean, I'm in Louisville. I'm sort of technically in the South. I don't know. We, we, you know, that's, that's a point of contention around here, but, but, you know, you are steeped in the South and, and I think there is, especially with a lot of news about your neighbor in Alabama and everything, there's just sort of a lot of ideas about what the South brings. But coming from a rock band, you, you you come at this from, I guess, a different angle. I think that has a lot to do with my upbringing. I mean, I came from a fan. I mean, my father was a minister. So a lot of those teachings, preachings, you don't have to dig deep into that. But I mean, it was about love and forgiveness, you know. And to me, that's how you have to live life. I mean, you know, those without sin cast the first stone. So in, in today's society, they're just casting stones. <laughs> they don't right. give a shit. <laughs> I think I'm an old soul, and I mean, I've been told that before. I just, you know, it's peace, love, and happiness, man. So with the second single, then, A Good Place to Start, I, I don't know if that follows suit in there, but there's that first line, you know, a man with a gun who thinks he's the chosen one. And again, it, it feels like that's speaking to a lot of things that we're seeing in the news right now. Well, I actually wrote it for a Homeboy in North Korea, because when I wrote it, that was when that whole tension was going on there, and I was just subliminally throwing it in there. And also, you know, school shootings and everything like that, and the the Vegas shootings, because I wrote this right after Tom Petty passed. And, you know, during that week, the Las Vegas shootings and then the North Korea tensions and, and then Petty passing, it was just a tough week. Petty comes back around, too. I, I mean, uh, Petty and Wilco, right? Sort of as a touchstones for parts of this record? Yeah, we started, uh, well, right as rain started, I had another group called Sweet Tea Project, which was more roots-based, you know. We had a banjo and a trumpet, you know, things that my brother and Collective Soul would punch me in the face if I brought into Collective Soul. <laughs> and, and then Jesse and Johnny and Will would line up behind him. But anyway, it, it, um, I had 
presented it to Sweet Tea because I thought it was kind of in that vein. And they were like, no, this is Collective Soul. And I was like, okay. So when we sat down with the song, they were like, yeah, we hear this. And then we kind of went, what, what do we feel? And we just put on a Wilco record. And I was like, well, I love those guitar tones. Let's just start with that tone there. And then we had a, the day we recorded it, a dear friend of ours, Peter Stroud, who plays uh, Cheryl Crow and Sarah McLaughlin, was in town. And uh, not only a dear friend, but I mean, one of the best guitar players on the planet. So I was like, well, come on over. We'll break bread and we're going to record and you're going to play slide guitar. And that's kind of how it all went. Yeah. It was real easy. I mean, we, we record real quick. We do a song a day. That's, I just feel like at this point, the guys, we catch that moment and, and go. We don't linger on it. It's just, <laughs> let's get it done. That feels right. And let's go. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Peter Stroud. I got to know him in the last year. Well, thanks to Cheryl and her band. And uh, love oh, yeah. to hear these on the record. Yeah, he did it. I mean, it, like I always said, it's, it's kind of great to have not only Peter's talent, but to have him as a friend and have one of your heroes, and they, they play on the record, man. And, and another one, Tommy Shaw's on the record, right? Yeah. So we're, we're all over the place on this. Uh, I've known Tommy, oh, God, for years, because I sang on a solo record of his in 99, 20 years ago. And uh, I'm a big Tommy Shaw fan, and he was kind of inspiring to me back in the day because I really I, I loved his look. I loved how he sang, how he played, and he was a Mobile, Alabama boy, too. So it was kind of an inspiration that you can be from the South and end up on the big stage at some point. So I called, and I, I had this song, Porch Swing, and I, I, I thought that Tommy's really into the dobro and mandolin. So I thought if I could get him to play a little dobro, I thought the song was a good way to end the record, and the guys did, too. And I was like, how cool would it be to have one of your heroes? Just the last thing you hear is Tommy Shaw singing. So I called him, and I said, "It's not. we're not trying to sound like Sticks, and we're not trying to sound like Collective Soul. It's a little different for us, and... I sent it to him, he called back, he goes, I've got it. And I'm like, go for it. I don't know, so Peter Stroud, Tommy Shaw, uh, Peter Searcy playing on the record. Of course, we're big fans of him around here. Is there anybody else? Because it sounds like there's a party happening already. There there was. I mean, we kind of have that mentality. Yeah, Christian Bush, who played with Train, Sugarland, he played organ for us. It was just, you know, whoever was home at that time, <laughs> our pals, and they played instruments. We were like, come on over. Once again, go break bread and then we'll make, make, make some music. Yeah. But that's how it should be to me. I mean, it, it's camaraderie and it's supposed to be fun. And, and if you can have your friends like Peter Searcy and, you know, you get people like that that are just, once again, not only talented, but just good people that you enjoy being around. Why not, man? I mean, it comes back to that title with blood, you know. <laughs> right, correct. And and that's that, that was the whole vibe we were going for. I mean, because literally we set Johnny's drums up. We'd horseshoe around him. We'd put amps in a closet or, or outside. We didn't care, you know, because we recorded it at my house. And then just once again, it was just more family. It, it was like a family picnic every day we recorded. Uh, I, lo- I love the way it's turned out. I really did. I mean, again, you have such a knack for melody and, and for this pop perfection in songwriting that's uh, – completely respectable so you know hats off to thank that you. thank you so much that's yeah. very kind i, I do want to hit on a, a few of these anniversaries you know kind of real quick you know as we talk about that 25th and and heading back picking up something you said and you've said many times that hints allegations things left unsaid what was uh, you know demos have you ever have you ever wanted to go back especially after having time with those songs through the years and maybe make what you would have called a finished version of those songs although i i have trouble saying that because of how close i am with those songs we actually went back and re-recorded Shine just because I, I couldn't take any more hearing a damn drum machine on it. 
Um, <laughs> I just couldn't. <laughs> it was killing me. And uh, but no, I think once again I go back to what I what I finally settled in on was it wasn't the power of production. It wasn't the power of performance. It was the power of the songs. And and I come at ease with that. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a band. It was Ed Mad Professor in a basement on an eight track machine, just trying to come up with a get a publishing deal. You know, as I've always said, you know, at that time I was thirty years old when we put these put it together. I mean, it wasn't like Atlantic Records was going, "Where's that thirty year old rock star?" Yeah, <laughs> Ed. <laughs> and and at the same time, it's 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 not only a blessing but a curse because the song was so big, so quick that I think most of our songs did that. It overshadowed that when we did become a band that it, you know we were catching up to all our songs and bands bands became bigger than their songs our, our songs are bigger than the band so you know we've we've always had to work through that i mean there's festivals we do and there's these huge bands and they'll come up and they'll go god we didn't know that was you and i was like yeah <laughs> been hearing that my whole life that's oh, no. okay though you played a big festival uh, that year in 94 and talking about Woodstock, which, as I look back on it, this, I mean, I don't know, you got tapped on that. You were so new. You were such a new band. And when you think about that you know, lineup of, of, of legends in, in some way, did, did you feel like the little guys on that stage at that point? Oh, yeah. I mean, we really didn't have, I was writing the record because we were so nervous about the hints just because it wasn't a band. So, you know, when we played Woodstock, I think the only song we really knew were Love Lifted Me and, and um, Shine. But we would, I would write songs that sound, and then show it to the guys at Soundcheck and then didn't even have lyrics. I would just do the vowel movement thing. People didn't hear, know, or care. But then that night they were taping it, so... I mumbled enough words out of gel that I wrote gel <laughs> lyrically kind of that night. But we, we just kind of approached it in that way. We kind of went, you know what, This let's go with it. It's fun. You know, and we had nobody really helping us from the label because we we're so new. Nobody even, I mean, there was nobody from the label there with us. We were just sitting in our room by ourselves while everybody else had, you know, caretakers, A&R people, press. And we were just sitting there by ourselves. And then, like, I remember King's X walked by and we all looked at each other and we're like, should we go say hey? So we started following around the field. And finally, Doug turned around and go, what do y'all want? <laughs> we were like, we just want to say, hey, we don't know how to do it. We were just naive and, and shy. And, you know, you know, two weeks before that, we're rehearsing in my parents' basement, you know, and then we do Woodstock. And then, the, and then the two days later, we're with Aerosmith. So wow. a lot happened real quick. That's that's still so funny to think. I hear you have, you know, one of the biggest stages of, of that year and of that era. And, and you're writing songs basically, you know, live in front of this crowd. That's that's balls. Well, you got you to write them sometime. <laughs> <laughs> Being 30 when the band broke, do you think that gave you different perspective than had it happened earlier for you? Yes. Yes, by far. Business-wise, definitely, because I'd, I'd understood the business at that point because, you know, there's so many close calls. And you kind of go, OK, well, what can I learn from this, from, you know, not giving your publishing up to, like, owning your own material, owning your art? And, um, and when we got signed, I did that. I was I was like, you know, I'll take a chance. I mean, I'm, I'm 30. I already took a chance. So that part of it helped a lot. And I think having the uh, rest of the guys who are like 10 years younger than me just kind of follow me a little bit, but yet, you know, they were learning their gig too, if that makes sense. So it was, it was a great, 
I always call it that first year was like pre-production. Most bands get signed and they get a year to go do pre-production and record. That that was us doing it in front of a live audience, which I think helped build confidence in in what we were as musicians. A hell of a year anyway to get started. I know. But, uh, I'm like, holy smokes. Dosage is turning 20, uh, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, I think it was a, maybe a February anniversary specifically uh, uh, this year. How do you see that record? You know, as I look back on it, it seemed like, like you know, a, a lot of bands who did get their start in the early and mid-90s, the spotlight had started to move, and maybe that had happened a little bit with Discipline Breakdown, but here it is. I mean, this was this was a huge success of a record. I, I think it surprised people as I go back and read the reviews. It was the first one where we were kind of accepted critically, and that was the beginning of the downfall of Atlantic Records with us because we thought we had made a perfect pop rock, rock pop, whatever you want to call it, record. And it was the first time we really got to spend time in the studio. We were self-indulgent making that record. We took a long time, spent too much money, and and also experimented with different things from Loop that no rock band had done at that point, really. And I, I look back on it, and I, I, I remember the time making it more than I do the song. I think we uh, we stretched it, I think, just the right amount so we didn't lose our core audience. But um, I think it's held up quite nicely, you know? Really There's well. There's a couple of things I always want to change. But, um, you know, I, I, like I said, I'll never forget, we released Heavy, and the label wouldn't do a video. They wanted to see what it'd do at radio. So it went to number one, and I called again. I was like, can we make a video? And they're like, well, let's just see what it does. <laughs> I'm like, it's number one. What? This is... This went on for 15 weeks because it was number one for 15 weeks. And finally on the 15th week, I said, I guess we're not making a video. And that's when I kind of knew they, they just kind of were just letting us float through the system. Nobody was cheerleading for us. That's insane, really. I mean, a number one record. I, I remember hearing Heavy for one of the first times, and, and it's sounding just so different. And at that moment, even futuristic, if that's not painting it too hard there. No, no, there was, that, that was kind of where, you know, some of that was where we were going for that record, you know, from the intro to Tremble to No More No Less, you know, with the loops of glass breaking. You were, we were having fun. And like I said, experimenting and just doing, the, doing what we truly wanted to do. We were not afraid to... One like we were once again. Nobody from the label was in the studio. We never had anybody in the studio. I don't think they even knew we were making the record, to be honest with you. So it was that freedom, and you know there was nothing right or wrong. Now you could disagree to put that on there, but it was that freedom we enjoyed. Like I said, it was the first time we got to really record in a proper studio, like for a length of time. I know you write songs, artists write songs, and they put them out in the world, and you sort of have to let go of them at some point to become whatever they're going to become. Having a song like Run, you know, which is this amazing classic that still sounds great, it, it's associated for a lot of us with a movie, a Varsity Blues movie, which is a movie very much stuck in an era on top of that. Right. Has that ever, you know, sat with you in any one way or the other, knowing that there is a large group of people who sort of have that association? I do know that. It doesn't bother me at all because that's what you're supposed to. There, it is a time capsule, music is. I mean, the first time you hear something, you go, oh, I can remember what I was doing or how old I was or what girl I was dating. So that's, that's the song that I think people that surprised us. We knew we loved that song, but it's the one that, it, it, once again, Atlantic released it, didn't really push it. And, but now it's like when we play it live, we end the show with that. And that's the song everybody waits for, which is strange because we play Shine like third or fourth in the set and then we play Run last. <laughs> you would think it'd be the opposite way, but that they kind of wait for Run. And then it's worth mentioning, Tremble for My Beloved, it goes on to have a second life once Twilight comes out years later. Yeah, that brought in a whole new, younger generation. And it's funny, we didn't have it in the set on this uh, 
this tour, and uh, Jesse, our lead guitarist's girlfriend, who's 30 years old, I guess, said, why are you not playing Tremble? And I was like, ah. But she only knew it because of uh, uh, the soundtrack, which is great. There was another generation that came in and heard Collective Soul and loved what we did. So to, to end the story, we, we put the song back in the set. <laughs> <laughs> For, Smart move for Jesse's girl. For Jesse's girl, not Rick Springfield. Jesse's girl. Our Jesse's Jesse's girl. <laughs> Very smart move right there. Uh, it's a great song on top of that. So that that helps, by the way, that it's a great song. Yeah. Um, Thank you. Well, it, it's it's certainly been a pleasure. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, the the new record is called Blood. You're going to be on tour this summer. You're going to be a tour with the Jim Blossoms, right? We are. Yeah. Love those guys. Great guys. Dude, thank you so much. Congratulations on Blood. It's another triumph, and I really mean that. No, oh, thank you so much. That's so kind, and thank you for your time. Yeah, you too, and uh, and we'll see you out there. All righty, bud. All right, take care. See Bye. All right. Big thanks to Mr. Roland. Collective Soul's new record is called Blood. Hey, before you get out of here, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. If you haven't already, again, YouTube, Spotify, you can subscribe at both of those places. Uh, also, wherever you get your favorite podcasts from, like Apple Podcasts, iTunes. After that, WFPK.org is where you'll find me Monday through Thursday from noon to 3 Eastern. Consequenceofsound.net, they've got your music and film news. You can also find me at Twitter, at Kyle Meredith, and Facebook, slash Kyle Meredith. And that does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.